0: either one of these any good wow this is a good movie it's pretty good well the director from yesterday doesn't think so it stinks you sorry you waste all our film
1: it's so bad
0: labor day weekend at the movies wasn't it just memorial day weekend at the (laughs) movies what happened Where'd it go? No, it's Labor Day weekend. We've got some big ones to talk about, and uh, let's get to it. Welcome. This is the Screening Room Podcast, and she is Hope Madden. He's George and Wolf, And we're from MadWolf.com. Let's start with the latest, Robert McCall. He finds himself at home in Southern Italy, but he discovers his friends are under the control of local crime bosses. As events turn deadly, McCall knows what he has to do, become his friend's protector by taking on the mafia. Denzel is back. The Equalizer
1: 3 seem like a man who understands violence. I don't like this place. You can't take that from me. I can take anything I want. Police found multiple dead bodies on that farm in Sicily. Did you kill him? Nine seconds. Well, I look like a killer. <laughs> now that doesn't sound like a normal plot for an Equalizer movie, because usually a person reaches out. You never know how they figure out how to find Denzel, but they do, and they reach out. But this is—it's kind of savvy the way this works itself around.
0: Well, that's a good point because it does get around to that, but it—it it, it takes a while. So, so yes, we don't want to spoil anything. But uh, this is round three for Denzel and the same director, Anton Fuqua, Mm -hmm. and the same three writers as Mm -hmm. well. And if you remember back in, it was 2014, the first Equalizer, and I remember because we were, I think we were still writing. No, we weren't writing for the paper then. It already, well, anyway. But I did, I reviewed both e- the original Equalizer and the original John Wick. And I liked the original Equalizer much better than the original John Wick. Now, the difference is the sequels to John Wick have been better.
1: Yeah, they just keep getting better. Yeah,
0: they keep getting better. Um, now, there haven't been as many sequels to the Equalizer, but I thought Equalizer 2 was a step down. Yeah, I thought so I was too. disappointed mm-hmm. with the Equalizer 2. This one, it ends it on, I, I'm assuming this will be the end. They say it's the trilogy, but... If it is, it's ending on a higher note. Right. It's not as good as the first one, but it is better than the second one. And yeah, Robert McCall, Denzel is back as it opens. He is. He's in like this coastal southern coastal town of Italy. We're actually in a in a vineyard area. Uh, taking care of some business, and it's a real bloody opening. I mean, he—if you can see it from the trailer. It's when he's just sitting there with the gun to his head. That's the opening nine of the Nine seconds. Yeah, nine seconds, right. He's nice <laughs> enough to give people the time that they have. <laughs> <laughs> so that's a pretty cool opening, but one of the things that happens is he gets he gets badly injured so he's he's not quite like a superhero because at least he's badly injured in this and he has to stay in that area of italy to recover because he is badly badly injured and that's when he starts as the synopsis says feeling at home and making friends and feeling finding some peace and then Having that peace disrupted because the local mafia is really putting the the screws to the local people. They they have big plans for that coastal town. They want to build casinos and hotels and things. They want everybody out. There's some other dealings that they've got going on that that uh, we don't want to spoil. But basically, it comes down to McCall versus the mafia. Sure. That's basically what it is. And one, I don't like their chances. I don't like their chances <laughs> either. <laughs> and one of the things, one of the big things, and we always say this. About villains and movies with villains. About the first Equalizer, the 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 uh, villain was great. He was that great. Martin Zonkas. Mm-hmm. He was great, so a great villain. Great. Uh, the second villain, Pedro Pascal, and we
1: love him. We do, but, but he just he was a step back. He was, he really was. He
0: was. Um, but this one is not as good of a villain. It's very one dimensional as the villains can be. Just a local mafia boss. He's very cruel, and um, so you know that that hurts a little bit, but. We know why we're coming to this, right? We're coming to this because Denzel gets to beat down the bad guys. That's right. So it's very simple. You know already if you like this formula. And it's the same as we mentioned, Anton Fuqua can really stylize the violence. Yes, and let's counts, not yeah. beat around the bush. This is violent. This is very <laughs> violent and very brutal and very bloody. But again, you probably knew that already. And I thought the original Equalizer back in 2014 that was one of its 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 uh, strong suits, very stylized yeah. how it presented that violence. And this is not, not quite up to there, but has some really cool sequences, some of them in slow motion, of course. Uh, so you get that again. And it's really a kick, as you've probably noticed from the trailers if you've seen them, that Dakota Fanning is back. And if you saw Man on Fire, it was so... <laughs> Remember how small she was? She was so little. She was so wee. <laughs> she was. And they're back together and there's a great chemistry and she's she's been good obviously in many films. Yeah. But she's really good in this part and it's a bit of a Clarice Starling sort of thing. She is a newbie at the um, FBI, CIA, uh, the agency and he reaches out to her. Once he once he finds out the things that are going on in this area, he's, you know, a, a helpful tipster. To the agency, and there's a reason why he reaches out to her, or Agent Collins, uh, specifically that you find out later. But they have a, a real nice chemistry, and it's just it's just a kick to see him again because it is. yeah, she's all, she's all grown up, and uh, it's a fun way, fun, as bloody fun to send it out. But uh, it's pretty simple. You, if you've seen even the first one uh, or the second one, this series, and you just like it, I mean, it's just it's just that. That primal sort of uh, satisfaction from seeing really bad people get what's coming to them, <laughs> right? And like, like I mentioned, it's yes, they are one-dimensional villains, mm-hmm. but they just keep being really bad to people that <laughs> Denzel likes, and that's that's not a good formula. Unwise. <laughs> it's an unwise formula. <laughs> so uh, the the question just becomes, how badly is the worst bad guy going to get it? And, you know, and it's I get why they did what they did. It could have been a little. More satisfying, but but it still works. And as a as the capper of a trilogy, it's just fine. Sends it up on a higher note than the second one. So if you're in for this and ready for some some really brutal R-rated beatdowns, uh, and Denzel, as we said this morning on the the uh, TV gig, he, he can elevate pretty much anything. Uh,
1: yeah, absolutely. That's absolutely true. Yeah,
0: it's always just and he he has this character down down pat. So Equalizer three, it's uh, it's a good ending to the trilogy, and I I think the the movie gives you every indication i mean there's not any any sting or anything like that but you do get the feeling that this is probably it right um and that's fine and it goes out on a a pretty good note so the equalizer three out in theaters now well let's stay in theaters for more r-rated very r-rated fun but much more funny than equalizer three this is two unpopular queer high school students start a fight club to have sex before graduation it's called bottoms
1: Untalented gays, please report to the principal's office. Guess that's you guys.
0: What's your plan here? Jeff is
1: psychotic. So we teach a bunch of girls how to defend themselves. Adrenaline is flowing. Next thing you know, Isabel and Brittany are kissing us on the
0: mouth. I'll sign off on your period club.
1: Amazing. What? We are literally at the bottom. We have nowhere to go but up. I, I, I want that trophy.
0: Well, I think here's another one you you get early on. I mean, as soon as we saw this trailer, oh, yeah,
1: we're, we're in all
0: the way. <laughs> yes, we were. We were in all the way. Again, very R, very raunchy. But if that's OK, you will find some funny stuff here.
1: Oh, it's so funny. And, it, you know, it's it's. they start with, so it's Emma Seligman is the co-writer and director. Rachel Sennett is the co-writer and star, co-star. And, of course, a couple of years ago, they made... Uh, Shiva Baby, which is a very uncomfortable, really smart comedy... (laughs) This is a wildly different film from that, but still, it's it's very smart and very uncomfortable comedy. The basic blueprint is very familiar, right? It's the first day of their senior year in high school, and they are not going to go out losers, right? This will be, as you said on the TV, t- you know, the, they're going to score. Mm-hmm. This will be the year they score. Mm-hmm. But just the fact that it's the two most unpopular girls in school, and they, I mean, everything else is the same. Mm-hmm. Who do they want to score with? The hot cheerleaders. Mm-hmm. They want to steal the hot cheerleader away from the football player. It's the exact same. But it's right. so different. Just like
0: any nerd in Porkies yep. yep. or any of these movies that yep. we've seen for decades. Yeah. But it flips the script a little oh, bit. Oh, yeah.
1: And it's and it's but it's so unapologetically raunchy and uh unafraid to offend, that is for sure. One of the things though, it's it's absolutely absurdist and and deadpan delivery is great. But I mean, the high school, it's not like a John Hughes high school, right? The high school they go to is a little bit more like the better off dead high school like it was you know like it's it's a very weird place where they are to get a chance with these girls. They start a fight club, <laughs> which is hilarious and so dumb um, but it also you know it, it does a lot <laughs> I mean it just does a lot because uh, it, you know it gives the movie a chance to just point out how girls in high school are groomed to be a very certain way like there are these you know signs in the in the hallway. You'll look so much prettier when you smile. Oh, yeah. You know, just all of these things. And then they get a lot out of just beating the shit out of each other Mm -hmm. in a way that kind of makes the actual fight club, makes those guys seem like crybabies. Like, how tough is your life? Exactly right.
0: Mm -hmm. I mean, you go back to the original... Fight Club and remember how that was taken and messages about masculinity and things like that and this in an absurdist funny yeah. way is talking about you know what uh, women have a lot to be angry about and they could probably get a lot of satisfaction from beating people up or at least getting this out of their system well, this this uh, you know rage of, of what's going on in their lives and
1: then also then they have a little more confidence when somebody else tries to hit them yeah. <laughs> it's like you know what I've yeah. taken a beating and right. guess what I can do I can yeah. knock you down so it's and, very you know, funny in that way and
0: the old adage of about how women are constantly groomed to be pleasers and not fight back and just go along. No, I'm going to punch you in the face. Oh, yeah. It's
1: so funny. There are so many very smart, often very raunchy, uh, jokes, you you kind of have to see it more than one time just to catch them all. Mm-hmm. They're so rapid fire. And, of course, it's just ridiculous. Everything about it is ridiculous. Marshawn Lynch is the <laughs> teacher who agrees to be the uh, advisor that signs off on their club.
0: Yeah, ex-NFL player Marshawn Lynch. <laughs> Master thespian, <laughs> you be the judge. But also, we mentioned Rachel Sennett, uh, who plays uh, PJ. But Josie is played by Io Edibiri, who we just saw and loved in um, –
1: Theater camp. Theater camp. She's having yeah. a hell of a summer because she she's is. also the voice of April in the new t- Teenage Mutant oh. Ninja Turtles movie. Yeah, she's, she's having, having a hell a great of a summer. summer. And the two of them are a stitch together. I mean, they you know it, it takes a certain kind I think of pairing to really pull off that long lived high school besties vibe. You know, and and they 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 nail it. They're as good as as uh, you know the book smart kids. They're mm-hmm. as good as you know. Uh, the Lady Bird besties—they're just—they feel like yeah, they've been together. They tolerate <laughs> each other. They have this pattern of stupid behavior. <laughs> they just—they really, really fit, and they're both so funny.
0: And it's great that well, Rachel said is a co-writer here, and I'm glad they got it done now. I don't know how long she's going to be able to play a high school student. I know. I mean, but as <laughs> and if you saw Shivy Baby, you know she she just excels at looking uncomfortable and messy and she has she's always because shiva baby she got increasingly as the as the movie went on she just got in increasingly frazzled and she just seems to excel at that and and she's she's really i mean she was a standout then you could tell in shiva baby that this this girl well both the filmmaker and the star i think i said that in the my original review both of these people are going places oh yeah and now they're they're together keeping together and uh for a for a film that she gets a hand in writing and is just like you mentioned. It's not only funny, but it's it's so fast funny you think you miss something.
1: Oh yeah, it's it's a riot and it's just you know, and it is smart. It is a smart movie, but at the same time, it plays exactly like any absolutely ridiculous high school comedy. It's just sloppy raucous, raunchy good time and
0: let's give a shout out to the guy that plays uh, the football star Jeff, Jeff. Nick- Nicholas Galllatinine It's great <laughs> and I love that it seems uh. like they're always they never take off their football. Oh
1: uniform. no no, they don't Oh yeah he's he's hilarious yeah. he's just he just nails it he's so funny there's this bit this turnaround bright eyes bit oh it's a stitch
0: (laughs) so obviously a big recommendation but but again just be aware it's it's a hard r for bottoms in theaters now well let's move to shutter for the latest from one of our favorite filmmakers and local favorite filmmakers especially jennifer reader it's a story of johnny a reckless teen sent to live with her estranged aunt hildy on the evening of her 18th birthday, she experiences a radical metamorphosis, a family spell that redefines her called forevering. This is called perpetrator.
1: We have to find that girl. You are one in a long line. Ferocious. Repulsive. Magnificent. He took everything he could for her. He's gonna do that to us too. She's alive. I just don't know where she is. I could feel her blood leaving her body. We are all going to survive this. You have to be okay with the pain and the blood. Cry!
0: Cry! Yeah, latest from writer, director, Jennifer Reeder, um, a favorite, a Columbus native here. Columbus, Ohio is our home base. And you actually got to talk to her about this movie recently for an interview and got a little more insight on it.
1: I did. And, uh, and I've gotten the, uh, the chance to interview her a couple of times. Of course, she made Knives and Skin a few years ago, which is just such a magnificent movie. And at that point when that came out, Bong Joon-ho named her as one of the 10 filmmakers changing cinema. Mm-hmm. So if you don't know <laughs> Jennifer, I know. High praise. Exactly. If you don't know Jennifer Reeder, look her up. Yeah,
0: look her up. Um, and, and, and if she, you start
1: with this one, you oh, can work backwards. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And she just, she really has such a, a very unique stamp on films. She does. And and this one, it feels like, as actually, she said in the interview, sort of a cousin of, of Knives and Skin. Mm-hmm. And uh it's and got it, a similar aesthetic, uh-huh. I think, to it. But, but- bloodier.
0: <laughs> Darker, bloodier. And we sort of stay in, I guess because everybody's the kids are back in school, we stay in high school <laughs> we for do. this one. Yeah. We
1: do. Uh Johnny, the character of Johnny is uh she's been sent to her aunts where to uh because her, her dad can't really deal with her anymore, so she's gonna go stay with her very weird aunt played by Alicia Silverstone. And start a new high school. And it's so fun to see Alicia Silverstone because of Clueless, right? It, it, like a high, one of the all-time great high school movies. And here she's playing this very chilly, yeah. steely, weird aunt. And yeah. she's so good. Yeah, it's, she's it's, so much it's fun. It's great
0: casting because it's, it's against what you sort of expect from her. So she's uh, Aunt Hildy and then Johnny is played by Kia McKiernan.
1: She's wonderful. She she's is. absolutely wonderful she in this is. movie. She's she's just sort of feral. She's got this wild streak, and she doesn't give a shit what anybody else is talking to her. She's very what I love. She's very opportunistic, you know. Like, do you need? So I can probably find that and sell it to you. I can steal from here. I can do. She's she's just a fascinating character. And and so as she yeah she turns eighteen, she kind of comes into this you know family. Some might call it a curse. Some might call it a blessing. It's just sort of her kind of powers finally come to her mm-hmm. it's a, obviously a very coming of age sort of metaphor oh yeah and um very the movie it's it's very bloody uh um and it's it's mainly menstrual blood which i just loved <laughs> i really love this about this movie is that you know um it kind of has this sense that you know horror is about blood obviously and it's about sort of the horror but but in this movie it kind of goes 50 uh, percent of us are pretty used to blood actually 50 percent <laughs> of us for one thing Know how to clean up a crime scene because we're used to cleaning up blood it's very fascinating the way the movie just goes I'm not sure what all of you were talking about, but we know what in fact we could swim in it um it's It's uncomfortable and and fascinating and icky, but the story too you know the the high school that she winds up in in this small town, girls just go missing all the time, and you're sad about it, but at the same time, it just happens all the time. Mm-hmm. girls just go missing and so of course, when she comes into her power. She sort of has a this. It's empathy, really, that helps her to figure out where they are. It's it's again. It's a lot of it is very metaphorical. It's very grisly, though, as well, and wildly feminist. This film is, but a lot of fun too.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, good performances. A good creepy, sort of a, a creepy, but then in a way almost darkly funny vibe uh, with with the characters as, as they're dealing with these missing. Women yeah. and how to treat them. Well, especially for the, the men in the town. Yeah. And this boy that maybe she likes yeah. and, and, and the boy's father who's a local sheriff. Yep. You know, just the way they're dealing with it. Just
1: something's off
0: here. Yeah. Something's off. You know, off. and
1: it's it's an image of the way you know, a little bit like bottoms, but in a much more aggressive way. It's it's an image of the way girls are raised. Mm-hmm. Uh sort of you know, adored and admired for their beauty and also sort of chewed up and victimized and, you know, taught to hate each other and compete with each other. And, and it's just, it's it's a comment on all of that. But, it, but that doesn't, um, it doesn't overpower this weird you know supernatural horror that's going on at the same time
0: yeah and this was on shutter and again if you're just not really familiar yet with uh filmmaker jennifer reader this is a great introduction yeah and then you can go back and find other things they're all well worth it but this is the latest and some great performances uh are featured in perpetrator and that is on shutter right now Let's go back to theatres for a French drama based on a French journalist's best-selling non-fiction work, investigating rising precarity in French society through her experiences in the northern port city of Cannes. It's called Between Two Worlds.
1: Pensez-vous la remplaçante? Faudra vous fouler plus que l'autre. Ferris et Opération Commando. de 1h30, une seconde de plus. Juliette Benoche.
0: Julia Binoche. Always welcome. Oscar winner. Always welcome. So it'll be no surprise to say that she is great in this drama based on true events, based on a nonfiction book, as the synopsis says. And it is it is interesting. And it's it's sort of uneven, especially at the at the close, but it features some great, great performances as Juliet Binoche plays a writer named Marianne, who Wants to get firsthand knowledge of this uncertainty, unemployment in in the economy in France. And so she goes undercover. She, she put, passes herself off as a woman who has been out of the workforce for over 20 years because she had a nice life of leisure at home. But then her husband found a younger woman and she has to get work, any kind of work. That's the story she tells. And although the woman at the social services office recognizes her, she still lets her go along with this, and so uh, she's taken basically cleaning jobs. She joins this cleaning crew. They call they called a commando crew, where they have to go to the port where the yacht, the cruise ships come in, and they have basically ninety minutes to get in there with their team and just clean all the rooms and just speed clean, and they gotta move. And that's how these people live. They take the ferry, and or if they take a bus to the ferry. And then the ferry to the job. And they become like a, a work family. And she gets accepted as part of the family. And especially, she bonds with uh, one worker in particular, Christelle, played by Helene Lambert, who's great. And she is just a no nonsense. She has kids at home and she will do whatever it takes. She, she's got to walk miles to the job, she'll do it. And so she has no time for these side trips to go sit by the beach that Marianne wants to do. and that should have been maybe the first clue that Marianne is living a different life because she's really not desperate. She's just pretending to be desperate right. to get this get this experience. And as it goes toward the end, it certainly gives you a clue into how these people have to live their lives job to job and, and paycheck to paycheck and just facing a, a possible desperate situation at every turn. And it does shine a light on what Mary Ann likes to call invisible people, and you you feel for them. You feel for their situation, and then when one of their group does get a promotion, get a better job, and and moves on, leaves the nest, so to speak, they're all happy for her, but mm-hmm. yet kind of hoping that maybe they could do it too. And you, you feel that it, it, it the performances are authentic, but then as of course her jig is up, mm-hmm. you know, it, she finally gets found out. The film just doesn't hold her. As accountable as it feels like it should right I mean she's sad Marianne is sad mainly because her friend Christelle is mad at her and won't talk to her well I wonder why right and it just doesn't have a, a view of the film that what she's done was just an absurd breach of trust yeah to use these people's lives even though she thinks the ends justify the means because look I'm shining a light on these people but look what you did! Right, and I, I, myself, I was just looking for more accountability from her character, and it's it's not there. And I think maybe how you would react to this film might depend on your own experiences with these types of jobs or mm-hmm. these types. Because if you've worked in any sort of service industry mm-hmm. or had to live paycheck to paycheck, you want to punch this woman in the face. Yeah, who do you think you are? Yeah. You know, so even though there there is a lot to like here, and especially the performances by the entire ensemble,
1: You just wanted the film good. to hold her a little more. I accountable. wanted the yeah. film
0: to hold her. Yeah. But now, now I will say, you know, we haven't read the book. Maybe that's the the view of the author of the original nonfiction book. Maybe that's hey, I'm doing a favor. I don't right. know. Yeah, it's I don't to want, know. want to put that right. thoughts in her because because I haven't read the book. But I just know the film, though. I I think could have held her a little more accountable for her incredible breach of trust with this, but uh, it's still, there's there's some good moments here and some good performances. And Juliette Bonneau, she really, she balances the possibility of labeling it a quote-unquote brave performance, you know, mm-hmm. because people call women, especially women of a certain age, oh, she's so brave because she's not wearing makeup mm-hmm. and she's scrubbing toilets. Right. Well, no. I mean, it's a character and she does it very well and toes that line between having a little bit of 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 caring about these people, but but, is it enough? You're just sad because your friend won't talk to you. Right. You don't really have have experienced and, and felt and appreciated the ramifications of what you've done. Um, so I was looking for that, but otherwise it, it's still it's it's a decent, well done drama. I was just looking for a little bit more at the end, and that is uh, in theaters now called Between Two Worlds. Let's stay in theaters for another drama that is elevated by the cast. A journalist grieving the murder of her son forms an unlikely alliance with his pregnant girlfriend to track down the killers in the seedy world of drugs and corruption. It's The Good Mother. Saw the person who broke in.
1: Don't make any sense. We got a lead. A what? We got a lead. Helping and healing is actually what you want. You really need to see it for what it is.
0: Don't I get to know who killed my son?
1: I assume you know the implications of this. I know more than anyone. What's the last chance on Kate? Nobody knows best.
0: Well, this stars two-time Academy Award winner Hillary Swank, who's also an executive producer of this film, and uh, she's joined by Olivia Cook and Jack Rayner and some other uh, solid ensemble performances for a story that, without these performances, without this cast, seems like it just could have been a, a generic made-for-TV thriller. Right. But they do elevate it, and it just—it sort of meanders around what it wants to be—a mystery, a, a thriller. A character study because her character, Hillary Swank's character, Marissa, is at the heart of this because she's uh, she's grieving. She's lost her husband due to uh, it's like an illness. We're not given a whole lot of specifics. And then her son, played by Hopper Penn, mm-hmm. has just been shot and killed after being a junkie and a drug dealer. And she has just, because of those two devastating things in her life, has pretty much just withdrawn into smoking and drinking. And even though we're told she's a very good reporter for a local Albany, New York paper, she's just doing editing because she just doesn't care anymore. And even though she hates her son's girlfriend, played by Olivia Cook, because she blames her for bringing her son into drugs, they eventually team up to try to find the killer with the help of her other son, who happens to be an Albany cop, played by Jack Rayner. So you got some mystery in there. Who did it? What's going on? You you got a, a wannabe thriller that really the co-writer and director Miles Joris Perra I think. Apologies if I mispronounced that. Sort of undercuts undercuts the the drama, undercuts the tension even from the beginning when you see the murder of of the you don't really it just cuts away and you get an idea and then you see things in flashback later. You never get. It doesn't really work on you in a, in a tense or really dramatic way. It seems to undercut it at every turn. So there's a lot of talking, a lot of furrowed brows and steely glances and pretty generic drama, generic dramatic points in the middle of these fine performances. And I, I also got to say, <laughs> there's a Larry Fessenden sighting. Nice. He shows up here All right. as, as they're part of uh, like a 12 step group, like group group therapy. For grieving mothers. And that's where we meet. I got to give a shout out to an actress named Karen Aldridge, who plays another grieving mother. And she's so good in this small role. It reminded me, honest to God, it reminded me of Viola Davis in doubt. Oh, wow. She's just so good. She comes in, you're like, holy crap, that woman's good. And it introduces like a new, interesting thread that you hope is. Explored later, but it doesn't. It does isn't really. It just kind oh, of dropped. And this woman is so good <laughs> in this small role, so I want to give her a shout-out. But you've got a solid ensemble all the way around, um, but it just doesn't really lead anywhere, that, certainly that we haven't seen before. You might be able to guess things as they're coming, and there's never really... If if it's a thriller, it's not thrilling. Mm-hmm. Uh, the mystery is only so so, and you're sort of wishing that it might have been more of a character study because obviously we know Hillary, Hillary Swank is talented. Yes, and if given the the chance, could have really dug into this character a little bit more. But it's sort of it just it comes out as more superficial uh, that we know she drinks and she smokes and, and she's grieving, and other than that. It's, it's just pretty generic, and like I said, could have easily been just something you're passing the time with on cable, except for she got involved as an executive producer, and then you get Olivia Cook, who's good, and, and Jack Rayner, who's mm-hmm. good in things. Mm-hmm. And it elevates it, got it on the big screen, but wh- whether it earns its place there is sort of a mystery as well. And that is in theaters now, and it's called The Good Mother. <laughs> Let's go back to the theaters for the story of a famed paranormal psychologist, Dr. Nandor Fodor investigating a family's claim of a talking animal, and he uncovers a mysterious web of hidden motives. Soon, everyone becomes a suspect in his relentless pursuit of the truth. This is called Nandor Fodor and the Talking Mongoose.
1: What guess the Irving's motive? They strike me as con artists. We hear it with our eyes as much as we do our ears. These people are lying. I think he exists. I'm certain of it.
0: Show yourself!
1: I mean you no harm!
0: Please!
1: Jeff!
0: Just show me that you're real! Dr. Vodon, here's a call for you. It's from... him.
1: Hello? Tomorrow. Tomorrow, I shall let you... see me. That synopsis does not really describe this film. I have to be honest. But uh, one of the things that's interesting about this movie is that it's a true story. I mean, it's based on a true story. Now, Simon Pegg stars, and and obviously, the it it takes some sort of ridiculous turns. But on the Isle of Man, people believed that this mongoose could talk, and it kind of <laughs> kind of you know was was given Loch Ness monster a run for their money because people started to think that there was this supernatural creature on these people's farm, and this real guy, this real doctor, Nandor Fodor, decided <laughs> to go out and investigate it. That's a name right there. It is a Nandor name. Nandor Fodor. He's Hungarian originally. Then he went to, he uh, became a doctor in uh, New York and then uh, and then moved to England. And
0: That's, and, I, and I because this was based on a true story, I thought, I expected it to be based on a book, but it's not. This is an original screenplay. Uh, the writer and director is Adam Segal.
1: And the thing about that is that, I also want to point out that that the amazing author Neil Gaiman is the voice of the monsters. <laughs> that just seems like it. Sh- people should know that. Um, and then uh, Minnie Driver also co-stars as uh, Nandor Fodor's assistant, and she's she's quite charming and she's wonderful. And so as and Christopher they, Lloyd, there's, Christopher, there's a Christopher Lloyd sighting. There's a Christopher mm-hmm. Lloyd sighting. But as as the two of them investigate this this farm where this mongoose who you never really see but you hear him talking and sometimes. You might see a little wisp of a tail or something. And the uh-huh. family is always like, oh, well, he was just here. And the whole thing is clearly quite suspicious. Um, and then the longer the two are there, uh, Nandor and his assistant Anne, the more they kind of split ways on how they feel about it. She's very open to the idea of it. And she's starting to see that he's a skeptic and probably not everything that she thought he was in the first place. And that is an interesting uh, where it goes. And for for a lot of his skepticism is pretty clearly kind of a theological metaphor. Sure. You know, should you just shut up now, Nandor Fodor, and let these people believe in something that you believe is clearly untrue because it makes them happy. Mm-hmm. And and it's an interesting and a very empathetic, even forgiving approach to that, that type of a concept in a film. But what's unsatisfying is the way it just turns on a dime to... To not, that's no longer sort of the theme of the film. And it's really unfortunate because I was interested in seeing how they closed it with that being their main focus. So, you know, uh, uh, underneath of the metaphor, or I suppose on top of that metaphor, like what the actual plot of the film is in the storyline. The the performances are very good. Simon Pegg is very good. But the film really cannot stick the ending.
0: And that is in theaters now. And really a, a fascinating story. Uh, to find out, it's based on true events. It just made me, got my interest. Just yeah, me like, too. Really? Yeah. Um, so you can find out about it more in theaters now. It's called Nandor Fodor and the Talking Mongoose. And battling that film for longest title this week is <laughs> this one, an animated film. Ernest and Celestine return to Ernest's country to have his broken violin repaired. They discover that music is banned throughout the country. They will attempt to right this injustice in order to bring joy back to bear country. This is called Ernest and Celestine, A Trip to Jibberishia.
1: Christy Robb and her daughter, Emmy Clifton, <laughs> uh, reviewed this one for us. I love when they do that. Yeah. It's, it's very much fun to hear their the two perspectives on uh, animated films. And both of them loved this very much. Actually, gave it four stars. Uh, what um, what Emmy liked, and also what they both really liked was how beautiful it is. It is yeah. like a living watercolor. It's yep. absolutely beautiful. And the the two characters, you know, the it's a it's a series, um, Ernest and Celestine, that has won an Oscar. It has a TV show. It's got a series of books. So, you know, it's much beloved. It's particularly in Belgium. It's originally a Belgian okay, property. Yeah. yeah. Um and and uh, they clearly know what they're doing with these characters. The characters are adorable as adorable as they can be. What was very surprising to Christie is that this is a political thriller. <laughs> it does that is. such a brilliant job of sort of of sort of uh helping children understand things like fascism and tyranny. She said, you know, that Emmy just kept coming up with ideas to like. I can see what's wrong with this right now, and here's how maybe you could do something. Bravo! It. And then it was, I know, brilliant.
0: Bravo! And it's only eighty minutes, so it's a quick one too. So yeah. especially if you have a young one in the house, uh, this would be something to again watch together yeah. as they did, yeah. and maybe discuss. Yeah. And so check out both their their tandem review. You can check it out. It's up now at MadWolf.com. But a recommendation for both of them. For Ernest and Celestine, a trip to Gibraltar. And one more. This week it's on VOD. When Samuel, a young orphan, is sent to live with foster parents, he is gradually forced to face the demons he's holding on to internally, as well as those that exist within his new family, leading to a stunning and transcendent final act. It's called Astrakhan. Tu you sais, know, Sam, t'as vraiment beau sourire. C'est quand tu souris qu'on voit qui tu es. And in case you were wondering, as we were, what the title comes from, well, it's the gorgeous astrakhan fur that is soft, shiny, and warm and actually comes from fetal or newborn or even unborn lambs. With the white lamb being the Christian symbol of purity and innocence, the astrakhan evokes the early sacrifice by society of the black lamb, equally innocent, but slaughtered before or right after birth. So heavy metaphors there.
1: Yes. And it's it's a story of Samuel who is so amazingly beautifully played by Mirko Giannini. It's just an amazing performance. As we sort of learn about him, he's out at the zoo with his new foster family. And on the way home, things seem fine. They seem well enough. And then you start to realize it, it, it's just so observational, this film, that the family just says things in front of him as if it wouldn't be a bother to him at all to know that he's kind of a pain in their ass, but they need the pension. So that's why he's there. And you don't know exactly what happened prior to this placement, but he's having some troubles. Mm -hmm. And, of course, when when they they sort of show themselves with these physical manifestations – his new uh, foster father just thinks he's being rebellious, and he's doing it to be a problem, and so he gets beaten but and as heavy handed as that sounds, the film really is not yeah um the very few real villains in this movie and even fewer real heroes in this movie and it's it is it's so beautifully filmed that the kind of i suppose gritty realism of it almost seems misplaced or like unserved by the beauty of it, except that it all comes together in this almost surreal final act that is so beautiful. It's, it's basically a character study of how monsters are made, yeah. to be honest with yeah. you. Yeah,
0: I was going to say, and I love those types of films and story t- the type of storytelling. It takes a skillful, especially writer, to, to just, you, you don't know what it's saying until it's, oh, that's... Yeah. I want to give you a glimpse of how something can build uh, and how it can start, and we'll give credit to the co-writer and director, it's David Depaville... Again, hope I pronounced that right. But yeah, the story of this young boy mm-hmm. and the things that he he lives with. Yeah, how can how do troubled people first become troubled? Yeah, I and, guess.
1: And it's you know the way it's told. It's definitely not dialogue driven. I mean, there's dialogue. People talk all the time, but it's it's almost like every scene is a little short story, and it's not what they're saying that matters. It's kind of just. The mood that's evoked and, and mm-hmm. what happened in that scene and how that leads to the next scene. It's an incredibly well put together film.
0: Yeah. And Astrakhan is on VOD now and recommended. <laughs> oh, you know what? And We should say one thing quickly. Uh, we were late. We didn't do this one last week, but just watch it this week. Uh, The new one with the Adam Sandler family. Um, You are so not invited to my bat mitzvah. It was charming. (laughs) It was charming and funny, and it's on Netflix now. And he didn't have any hand in writing or directing. I assume it's his production company, because he co-stars as the father of the one girl. But both of his daughters are in it. His wife is in it. And, yeah, it's about this, this girl who's dealing with her bat mitzvah and having a big fight with her best friend. And it is. It's just charming and funny and one of those movies that seems to get it right about... Being in a in a young teens world, not condescending, mm-hmm. not trying to be cool and understand when you don't, but they just they just get it right. Yeah. So so check it out Charming if you fairy, have it. Yeah, if you yeah. missed it when it was first out, as we did, uh, it's on Netflix now, and I really enjoyed that one. It's fun and funny and well worth seeing. All right, well the Schlocketeer off this week, but a big piece of news just dropped today that I know he would definitely talk about, and that is it was just announced that Exorcist believer the sequel. Mm-hmm did have a Friday the 13th release date, which seems very appropriate. It's getting out of the way now of Taylor Swift.
1: That's right. Her <laughs> film, her, her concert tour film is coming out on Friday, October the, the 13th. So now we're moving the scary movie to October 6th, which is not a scary date, by the way. No.
0: On one hand, okay, we get it earlier Mm -hmm. but yeah that seemed like a cool release date and could it have been a hashtag exer swift (laughs) we don't know we don't know because it's not going to happen because in case you didn't know right now it's taylor's world and we're all just paying rent and out of the way we'll have to see what really does have the cojones to go up against taylor uh, and her eras tour uh, film concert film that week but that's but it's
1: not regular ticket prices it's not. I don't know exactly for what the Taylor deal Swift? is for the Taylor Swift movie. There, it's not regular ticket prices.
0: Well, it's not one of those one night events. No, right? No, no. So you mean? Oh, well,
1: actually, maybe it is. I don't know. But no, I, I don't think so. But it, yeah, the you have to pay a different price to get to get tickets to it. Oh, I'm not positive. Well, she makes. The, hey, yeah. she makes her own rules. She does. And you know what? I'm not saying that she's gouging us because we got that great news at the end of her tour that she gave like all the bus drivers yeah. and all the all the like this oh, no. huge bonus. We're big hey, fans. We're not as a human. Taylor oh, Swift. That's right. No, because we're also afraid of her fans. But, <laughs> um, but I do know, uh, and you know, well a tier would be able to to pinpoint exactly the difference. But I do know that it's like tiered pricing. It's not okay. a regular ticket price.
0: And also, I have to say, I mean, back in my days in country radio, you met her. I, I met her. I took some winners back to meet her. She was great. Yeah, she was great with the winners. She wrote me a very nice handwritten letter. Thank you, card. That, yeah, that we've got hanging in the basement. So believe me, no, I got nothing but love for Taylor Swift, at all. But uh, I would have loved to have seen them go hand-in-hand, hand and maybe we could, you know, if you, if you want to recreate the Barbenheimer thing, and maybe it would have been an interesting pairing, The Exorcist and Taylor Swift, but not going to happen. Stop trying to make it happen, because it's not going to happen. So that's the big piece of news. We'll check in with the schlocketeer, maybe get an update on that next week. But looking ahead, speaking of, next week and horror films, we get one. The Nun 2 is out next week.
1: And then My Big Fat Greek Wedding 3.
0: Okay, that's out next week. Also,
1: Scrapper. Eight found dead. Another long title.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Aristotle and Dante discover the secrets of the universe. I don't believe they do. Also, Our Father, the devil. Uh, One called Megalomaniac. Thirst. And Bobcat Moretti. That's all next week. But what do you think about this week? Equalizer 3 or Bottoms or Perpetrator? What do you think? Let us know. Uh, You can always keep the conversation going easily. You can find us on Twitter. That is at MadWolf. Also on Threads. On Facebook and on Instagram. It's all Mad Wolf Columbus, and the main website where you can find all of our written reviews and our other horror movie only podcast called Fright Club. That's all there at madwolf.com. So, plenty of ways to keep in touch. We hope you will. Have a great holiday weekend. Enjoy. Let's send Summer out with a bang. And until next time, she is Hope Madden. He's George Wolf. And this is the Screening Room Podcast. See ya. I do wish we could chat longer, but.
1: I'm having an old friend for dinner. Bye. Okay everybody, that's a wrap.